0: Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. You know, I think it would be tragic in our lives as Christians to only read the New Testament. I actually love the New Testament. It's beautiful. It's the New Covenant. But man, when you go back and you really read and dig into some of the Old Testament stories. I mean, it's better than a Game of Thrones episode. It's better than, you know, Narcos and all these things. There's so much in it, and it's actually really entertaining. So I was gonna just kinda, you know, highlight this story that I'm gonna read, but I'm going to read it just like it's written. I did pick the message translation. It's a little bit more lively. So let's read Second Chronicles. 32 1 through 23 and this is the message version it says and then after this exemplary track record this Sennacherib king of Assyria came and attacked Judah he put the fortified cities under siege determined to take them when Hezekiah realized that Sennacherib which is a hard word to say by the way When he realized that his strategy was to take Jerusalem, he talked to his advisors and military leaders about eliminating all the water supplies outside the city. That's clever. They thought it was a good idea. There was a great turnout of people, they all came together, to plug the springs and tear down the aqueduct. They said, why should the kings of Assyria march in and be furnished with running water? Hezekiah also went, to work repairing every part of the city wall that was damaged, built defensive towers on it, and built another wall of defense further out. He reinforced the defensive rampart of the old city of David. He also built up a large store of armaments, spears, and shields. He then appointed military officers to be responsible for the people and got them all together at the public square in front of the city gate. They were ready, weren't they? Hezekiah rallied the people saying, be strong, take courage. Don't be intimidated by the king of Assyria and his troops. There are more on our side than on their side. He only has a bunch of mere men and we have our God to help us fight, help us and fight for us. Morale surged. Hezekiah's words put steel in their spines. Later on, Sennacherib, who had set up a camp a few miles away in Lachish, I don't know, sent messengers to Jerusalem, addressing Judah through Hezekiah. He said this, a proclamation of Sennacherib, king of Assyria. You poor people, do you think you're safe in that so-called fortress of Jerusalem? You're sitting ducks. Do you think Hezekiah will save you? Don't be stupid, Hezekiah has fed you a pack of lies. When he says God will save you from the power of the king of Assyria, he's lying. You're all going to end up dead. Wasn't it Hezekiah who cleared out all the neighborhood worship shrines and told you there is only one legitimate place to worship? Do you have any idea what I and my ancestors have done to all the countries around here? Has there been a single God anywhere strong enough to stand up against me? Can you name one God among all the nations that either I or my ancestors have ravaged that so much as lifted a finger against me? So what makes you think you'll make out any better with your God? Don't let Hezekiah fool you. Don't let him get by with his bare-faced lies. Don't. Trust him. No God of any country or kingdom ever has been one bit of help against me or my ancestors. What kind of odds does that give your God? What a speech. I mean, that's better than any kind of war movie. It's amazing. The messengers felt free to throw in their personal comments. I think that's funny. Putting down both God and God's servant Hezekiah. Sennacherib continued to send letters insulting the God of Israel. The God's Of nations were powerless to help their people. The God of Hezekiah is no better probably worse. He was relentless. The messengers would come up the wall in Jerusalem and shout up to the people standing on the wall shouting their propaganda in Hebrew trying to scare them into into demoralized submission. They contemptuously lumped the God of Jerusalem in with the handmade gods of other peoples. King Hezekiah, joined by the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, responded by praying, calling up to heaven. And God answered, listen to this miracle, God answered by sending an angel who wiped everyone in the Assyrian camp out, both warriors and officers. This is history, this happened. Sennacherib was forced to return home in disgrace. I love this, tail between his legs. When he went into the temple of his God, his own sons killed him. God saved Hezekiah and the citizens of Jerusalem from Sennacherib, king of Assyria and everyone else. And he continued to take good care of them. What a story, what a a man of God, a man of faith. You know, in this story, the king of Assyria, Sennacherib, everyone say that, let's just get it out of our system. Sennacherib. I literally had to like phonetically write it out so I could remember how to pronounce it. I asked my husband, he was no help. He was like, I don't know, Sennacherib, I don't know. And I was like, okay. So I had to phonetically write it out. Sennacherib, he was the most villainous king ever, taking city after city. And he wanted to come against Jerusalem. And King Hezekiah knew this was his ground. This was his territory. This was God's place of worship. And he was willing to reinforce the walls, do what it took, listen to his advisors, and it ultimately brought about victory. You know, in our lives, there is a very real enemy. And it's not if there's ever a battle, it's when there are battles. The enemy not only wants to stop your forward progress and make sure that you don't gain new ground, make sure that you don't get any better, make sure that you don't make any progress and find true peace or find true joy, but he also wants to unsteady the ground beneath you he also wants to take the territory you've actually already claimed you know there's ground you've already claimed in your marriage there's ground you've already claimed nothing is sadder to me than seeing people who've been married 20 plus years end up in divorce there certainly was ground that if they would have held their own if they would have dug their heels in and thought to themselves, I mean, we, we thought about this when we were in year one, and not let the enemy convince them that that was shaky ground. There's territory and ground that you've taken in your relationship with your kids, in your parenting. The enemy wants to convince you when they become teenagers <laughs> that you can lose the ground that you've already claimed and gained. In your relationship with Jesus, you might have been passionate and on fire for God, and you might be at a place today that the enemy's trying to take the very ground that you've already claimed. You've already walked so much of this faith journey out, and he wants to convince you to grow cold, to grow weary. But my title today is, dig your heels in. Dig your heels in. Do you know, When i was in elementary school believe it or not i was actually very strong and athletic i got the principal's award for athleticism you know how you could do the i don't know anybody know what i'm talking about you can like do enough pull-ups and sit-ups and push-ups and do the whole deal run the mile in a certain amount of time i got it every year in my elementary school um, life education it was like the biggest deal to me i remember getting it from President George Bush Senior, and I literally, I was like, oh my gosh, the President sent this. I thought he actually signed it, now that I think about it, it was probably a stamp. But either way, it came from the White House as far as I'm concerned. So it was very athletic and I loved being in any sport. I was in running club, I had my mom drop me off at like 6 a.m. I was in gymnastics, I was a cheerleader, I played basketball anything that i could do i I just wanted to be a part of sports but nothing quite compared to the super bowl of all elementary school athletics and that was field day am i right can i get a witness okay but you know i was fine to be signed up for the three-legged race and i was fine to be signed up you know for the. 50-yard dash where you have to get the eraser and like take that, you remember? The eraser and drop it on the line, you know? I was skilled, guys. But the ultimate thing that I wanted to be volunteered for, that I wanted my classmates to volunteer me for, was tug of war. Because I knew there was a mud pit in the middle, and for whatever reason, in my third grade mind, it sounded amazing to lose, I guess. (laughs) I don't know but you know we know the basic rules of tug of war it's eight people on either side of the rope we would have to do four girls four guys just to make it fair and obviously there's a center of the rope and the whole idea is that each opponent opposing team pulls with all of their might so that you can unsteady your opponent's feeding footing and pull them until the part of the middle of the rope comes over into your zone or your territory. Guys, I did not realize that up until 1920, tug of war was actually an Olympic sport. Did you know this? It's pretty crazy. People are still to this day trying to um, like get it reinstated as an Olympic sport, but there are actually world, champions, uh, world championships even now. Trust me, I watched like 20 of them on YouTube. Really didn't help me much with my sermon. I just got like really enthralled in it. It's very exciting. There are men's teams and there are women's teams and I'm telling you that women's Indonesian team is a force to be reckoned with. Look it up, 2018 champions, it was legit. But there's so much strategy, I of course didn't know in the third grade. There's a coach sitting on the sideline, and he's literally yelling in their faces, telling them when to pull, when to tug, and when to release. There are moments, there's, there's, move, there's a, like a synchronization to it. That And of course, I found out, you don't actually pull with your arms. You pull with your quads, because it's the strongest muscle group in the body. There's a certain way you lean back. There's a certain time you let the tension go so that they lose their footing a little bit and then you pull with all of your might and the coach is looking at the opponent and giving clear instruction over and over and the whole time he's yelling, dig your heels in because that is the surest way to have your strength in the right area so that everything is a sure foundation and he's telling them when to pull. And you know, I think of it, in terms of our lives, is that the Holy Spirit is our coach, so to speak, on the sidelines, giving us clues as to what the opponent, what the enemy is trying to do. And I think today is a sounding board for some people to let you know that, hey, the enemy, he's not just trying to stop your forward progress, he's trying to get your footing. He's trying to take you out and take the ground you've already conquered. So listen, King Hezekiah experienced a supernatural victory and there was strategy to what he did. There was strategy to how he applied the things of God and I think we can learn from him and take a cue from how he ensured victory against his enemy, his opponent. Number one, he listened to wise counsel. Say, ouch, because I just want to get it out of the way. Okay. Listen to wise counsel. Verse two through four explains that the very first thing he does when he realizes he is under attack, when he realizes the enemy is on his way, is he goes to trusted counsel, trusted experts of his day. Listen to this verse really quick. It's Hebrews thirteen seventeen. It says, be responsive to your pastoral leaders. I told you, ouch. Listen to their counsel. They are alert to the condition of your lives and work under strict supervision of God. Contribute to the joy of their leadership, not its drudgery. Why would you want to make things harder for them? That sounds self-serving, but it's in the Bible. It's like, make my life good, guys. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. But, you know, most situations, honestly, as a pastor, that I have seen people walk out that ended up destructive, either were situations that they never sought counsel or they sought counsel and didn't listen to it. There, There's kind of this air that maybe leaders can't be trusted, and maybe people have seen uh, people in authority manipulate and misuse their authority. I understand that, but that's the exception, not the rule. It doesn't mean that you can just do away with what God says about accountability. It doesn't mean that you can just, you know, cross it off your list of the things that really don't apply to you. See, we have to get to the place where we have accountability in our lives. If you, look, if you would start to look at your church as a family and not a pit stop on your way to Red Lobster, then maybe we could grow in some areas and, and maybe some trusted leaders and mature people around you could see blind spots in your life and point it out and you would be better because of it. See, accountability has such a like weird like negativity to it, but it's not to bind you. It's actually to release you so that you know that you have people who are peering into your life, that you have trusted accountability around you, that they would actually say, whoa, 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 whoa. I see this area. I see this issue. See, small groups give us opportunity at City of Life to have a larger church In a smaller setting, we have marriage mentoring. If you are struggling with your marriage, we have marriage mentoring, (laughs) yeah, mentoring of people who are farther in their journey that can look at your relationship and see areas that you need counsel in, that you need correction in. See, we're so afraid that we might actually have to change some things if we ever consider that this person that we went to for advice might actually be right. See, the issue in our day and age, my gosh, is everyone takes their stuff to Facebook. And listen, you'll get the advice that you're wanting. If you search hard enough, you ask enough people, you'll finally hear what you wanna hear. But that will not bring growth in your life. That will not bring distinction in your life. And it will give the enemy ground and territory you've already claimed. See, people get so blinded and confused by love. So blinded and confused by fear. So blinded and confused that they just insist, I have to be in this relationship. I need this person in my life. And the pain of losing them is too great So I can't listen to you, even though you might be right, I'm just gonna ignore it, or I'm not even gonna ask because I don't need to know. Hezekiah listened to wise counsel, and it ensured his victory. Are you accountable to anyone? It doesn't just have to be a pastor, but it needs to be someone who is a leader in an area. You know how you know if someone is a good leader? They have good fruit in their lives. If you, it's not a peer. It's not someone that you get along with. It's not someone that you feel like you can just be yourself around. It's actually someone who's a little further on in their journey. Someone who has fruit in their life that you want to glean from. Are you following me? You have to be accountable. Listen to counsel. Number two, one of the first active steps he takes is he strengthens the walls. It says he went and he knew the certain areas that were a little bit weak in the surrounding walls of the city, and so he went and fortified them. He went and strengthened them. It actually says he reinforced them and built even stronger walls. This must have been a really long battle because it takes a long time to build walls. Am I right? I was reading that and I'm like, it makes it seem like it was overnight, but I think it was like, could have been years. I don't know, but I didn't research that. But you have to strengthen the walls. See, there are little things in your life that can cause deterioration and little things that can give access to the enemy I mean gossip slander lying deceit Mm -hmm. and the people that are willing to do that with you the people maybe maybe it's just the people you've chosen to link your life with to do life with I'm not sure told you ouch but those are the types of relationships. You know, the Bible says that bad company corrupts good right. character. Right. That means it starts out as little things, like just hanging around someone, being around someone. And then the next thing you know is they're cynical, they're, they're superior in every way. They know more than the, the trusted people in your life. They know more. And then all of a sudden, it's a crack. It's access. Yeah. Things deteriorate in your spirit. Negativity settles into your soul. Another thing is having mismanaged emotions. That'll cause your life to deteriorate. Listen, the enemy can use mismanaged emotions to destroy solid relationships. Listen to this verse. It says in Proverbs 16, 32. It says, better a patient person than a warrior. One with self-control than one who takes a city. And you know, everyone quotes Ephesians 4.26. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Listen, that is not just for married couples or dating people so that you'll kiss and make up before you go to bed. No, listen to the practicality of it. It actually says, In your anger do not sin. Yeah. So can can we just talk for a second? It's okay to get angry. Right. Even, Even Jesus himself mm-hmm. got angry, right. but, but he didn't sin. So, so there it's saying and then don't let the sun go down on your anger. It means, okay. hey, emotions are real. Right. Your feelings are real. But you are in control. You're the one who has to manage it. There's a time that it's appropriate, and when you go to bed, deal with it. You're accountable to God for it. Some of y'all are still mad at something from 1995. And listen, and it's a trigger for every situation even similar. And you lash out. And, you, and then you go to bed frustrated with yourself. Why did I do that again? Why did I say that? I didn't mean that. I should have quit the conversation four minutes in. I let it go 15. Anybody? It's okay to get upset. It's okay to get frustrated. But when you respond out of anger is when it's mismanaged and it's ground that the enemy can take. And it'll ruin your relationships with your kids. It'll ruin your relationship with your spouse. We have to manage our emotions. I think a strong, it takes a strong person to be able to manage your emotions. Proverbs twelve sixteen says, The arrogant fool is, is quickly known because he lacks self-control. But a prudent man ignores an insult. That's a big deal. What'd you say to me? What'd you call me? A prudent man ignores an insult. Being upset, but not responding out of it. Not sinning. And listen, amen. And listen, we all get upset, we all get angry Even this week, I was frustrated with some things. Been everybody in our house is not sleeping like our normal schedule. We're up late at night. We're here at practices. Zoe woke up this morning with a fever and a cough. So I just know that we're like pushing through some things. And clearly the enemy doesn't want us to just revel in this beautiful revival time. He's gonna try to stop us. He's gonna try to take ground. And I felt myself, I'm like, I had to turn the mirror on myself and realize I'm like, why do I feel this way right now? Why why do I feel like I'm a little bit edgy and like I wanna respond inappropriately and my emotions are controlling me right now? I turned the mirror on myself and I'm like, you know what? I need to spend more time with Jesus. I need to get in his presence because you know what? That gives me the capacity to deal with humans being humans. And only that can give us that peace and that solace and that control is being in the presence of Jesus. And I promise you, if you take time to do that and you get your, your, your soul and your spirit, man, in connection with the Holy Spirit, you'll see that you can operate in a different capacity. And the enemy will not have access. The enemy will not take ground. Amen? Amen. Number three. He kept a strong faith confession. I love what he says to the people around him that he's leading that are fearful. They know he's coming. They know the enemy is on the prowl. And in verse six through eight, he says that, hey, be strong and courageous. There are more with us than with him. That God is gonna fight our battles. He is on our side. And what I love is that his confession strengthened their stance. I love this part in verse eight. It says, their morale surged. Hezekiah's words put put steel in their spines. Isn't that great? And one version says, people rested themselves on his words. That means that they immediately had peace. Listen, what we say matters. What we confess matters. In particular, I would like to say this, because I love you, but what you say in your home sets an atmosphere. I think we have a lot of young people, elementary age and up, walking around with a lot of unnecessary anxiety and stress because there are atmospheres set in homes where there are just unbridled conversations taking place. There is some information that young minds and hearts cannot handle. It's too much. It's, it's too heavy. It's not theirs to carry. I felt this so strong when I was praying because our family, we're very open. We talk about everything. We always say, as long as it's the truth, we can can work through anything. We have each other. But listen, your kids do not need to know your financial situation. Your kids do not need to know how little you and daddy are getting along right now and if he would just dot, dot, dot. Your kids do not need to know if you are in a, a family that has had divorce or had separation. The worst thing that you could do in their little lives is put down the other person. Listen, it was your responsibility and it is your responsibility to be their protector. I don't know if this is resonating or if you guys are fully offended, but I feel it in my spirit that you have to have caution in what you put out there. Faith confessions. Yeah, maybe they are frustrating you. Yeah, maybe you are up against the wall when it comes to maybe losing your house or some kind of frustrating or, or tragic situation financially, but listen. Just like Hezekiah, you have an opportunity to set an atmosphere and let there be reassurance in the heart of your spouse, reassure it in the little hearts of your kids that they would know, hey, with God, everything's gonna work out. It doesn't matter what comes our way. It doesn't matter what battles we have to face. We trust in a holy God. Be courageous, be strong. The people against us are mere men. And God fights our battles. We need a different atmosphere in our homes. We need our kids to feel reassurance. And you know what? It teaches them and trains them how to trust a holy God, a faithful God. They, yes, as they get older, they sort of become your best friends, but there's still a distinction. And they're still under your care and supervision. Be careful with that. I say that lovingly, be careful with that. I say it from experience, be careful with that, amen? You can get through anything with God. You have to have a faith conversation, a faith confession, amen? Number four and the final one. What did Hezekiah do to make sure that the enemy didn't take any ground that he had already claimed. He prayed and cried out to heaven. God hears your prayers. God hears when we pray. I wanna read this verse to you. I'm sure you're familiar with it. I love it in this version. Philippians 4, 6 through 7, it says, Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of of your life. Listen, sometimes people say, well, how long do I pray? Pray until peace comes. Pray until peace comes. Get in a moment, turn the radio off while you're driving down I-4. Pray until peace comes. When's the last time you prayed and cried out to heaven for your situation? for your relationship, for your finances, for your emotional well-being. If you're not praying, the enemy is still at work. So our defense mechanism, our defense position to be able to dig our heels in is through prayer. Listen to this. I heard this the other day and I was like, my gosh. It says, the enemy works hard and relentlessly to limit your prayers because He knows your prayers limit him. No wonder you think, oh, it's just so hard to pray. I just don't have time to pray. I don't know if I'm doing it right. Pray until peace comes and just know that God is working. He hears you. You're you're stopping the enemy in his tracks. You're, You're taking on new territory. You're pushing through, you're digging your heels in. You know, today I just pray that, like I said, that the word would illuminate your path, that you would gain new wisdom, that you would actually apply these steps and no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, no matter what your opponent, the enemy is trying to do. Hey, I see the Holy Spirit on the sidelines right now in that tug of war. I see him yelling out the instructions saying, listen, now's the time to pull with all of your mind. Wait, 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 release the tension, release it. Wait, okay, pull again, pull again. Keep pulling on heaven, keep crying out to God. Pray until you feel fire, pray until you feel unction, pray until you feel peace in your life and the Holy Spirit is your guide today. You are not alone in this fight. You are not alone in this battle. And listen, if you lean in and you give God your all, you will have victory. Look at Hezekiah's life. Who would have thought? He went through all the correct steps, all the correct methods. And then at the very last second, something so supernatural and miraculous happened that they didn't even have to fight the battle. An angel came and wiped them all out. I believe that's going to happen for some people in this room. You're going to be faithful and diligent, do your part, and you just wait and watch when God steps in. Come on. If you receive that, can you say amen? If you feel your faith strengthened today, can you say amen? If you're going to set a new atmosphere in your home, can you say amen? Amen. This concludes the teaching.